all of that. Welcome, everybody, to the 62nd episode of Sports Goose. Uh, Francisco again joined with Andrew and Charles from afar. How are you guys doing? How's your week Not been? Bad. How are you? It's it's going. It's it's going. You know, uh, I'll talk about some numbers and some stuff. Uh, our, our simulation series of baseball games. I've gotten close to 3,000 views in total. Uh, so over almost like, over nine games so far. So we're 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 getting there with with at least some people like me talking about ancient baseball players. That's great. Uh, anything interesting? Nah, not same. Playing games and working. Same old, same old. All right. So yeah, we're we're here. We're gonna talk about I guess NFL draft. That that happened. Players went places. College, I guess, uh, college football programs are happy or sad, depending on how many players went uh, for their respective programs. Uh, a lot of NFL teams are, well, they 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 they'll tell you they're happy, but some of them are probably sad in in the background because they didn't get who they wanted. And a bunch of young players are very happy because they're they're they've made it. They've made it. And some might be sad because they didn't make it and might have to go to CFL for a bit. Who knows? Uh, yeah. So let's let's start with the draft. Uh, Charles, we can officially say Mike Rabel. His home was probably the best one out of all of them. <laughs> I mean, King of Bros, right? Or Coach Bro is what I would call him. You know, with I, I don't even know what was going on, but it's just everybody's there. One guy looks like he's dressed as Frozone right. from the Incredibles, the other guy's dropping a deuce in the background. <laughs> hey, you know, when when you got to go, you got to go. Who am I to tell nobody not to? I just think that it it was appropriate for, I guess, the coolest coach in the NFL to have the funniest um, draft party, basically. I, I, I'm going to try and put it on the screen here. But, yeah, it's Frozone. I think one of his kids dressed up as, like, put on one of his old jerseys and has like a mullet with a yeah. with a with the porn stash going uh i don't know if that was his daughter she's not wearing any pants and then he's got three arcade cabinets in the background one of them was like a cabela's uh like big buck hunter game so i, I, I couldn't even make out the other two uh but hopefully uh they were uh, nice classic arcade arcade games back there. Maybe a Pac Man. Maybe maybe a Galaga. Who knows? But uh, Mike Vrabel's house was definitely the probably the best one. Um, the the most relatable well, one. The I most think. relatable because one. Yeah. There's two of them that are definitely not. Oh, there's uh, uh, yeah Cliff Kingsbury who who uh, <laughs> was his house is basically a Lexus dealership. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, and and uh, a pretty swanky one at that one that he that he rents to the adult film industry on the weekends when he's out coaching the, the Arizona Cardinals that's for sure and uh, I mean pretty much everybody else I expected uh, a lot of players were like a lot of uh, these guys that got drafted it's like man their parents are making bank because woof some of those households but and then Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, who says it was from his yacht, but was probably from his private spaceship. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy. Cliff Kingsbury still put Jerry to shame just because there was so much style. I, you know, if I call 
uh, Mike Vrabel King Bro or Coach Bro. I'm going to call, like, Cliff Kingsbury Coach Gray because he is – the way his pad is is just <laughs> basically 50 shades of gray. I'm almost certain. And, I, listen, I have never in my life really checked to see a coach's personal life on Wikipedia to see if the guy is married. I didn't see anything there, so I'm almost certain that he's just chilling out waiting for those girls at Arizona State University. And, you know, good on him if that's the case. <laughs> the guy's just so suave. Not debonair, but, you know, even I felt – I was like, whoa, man. Yep. What are you doing for your multi-million dollar uh, – house you your bachelor pad whereas jerry's just looking at me and saying listen if you do a roll of shrooms or anything like that right now with me a bag of it we can go fly into uh mars or he just had martians there i don't know <laughs> all i know is also we talked about it being a spaceship i kind of feel that um his whole... somebody made a lego replica of his home <laughs> <laughs> look it's quite impressive it's daunting it's daunting. That's all I could say about Cliff Kingsbury. For Jerry, what I will say, it kind of looks like, because um, the way it was laid out also makes it seem like there was a cloning factory in there. So I'm almost certain that there's Jerry clones in case his old body starts giving out that they just harvest organs out of replacement or transfer consciousness. That's the only other comment I could put on there on the coaches. For the players, though, um, a lot of dudes, uh, ladies, trying to uh, look at their phones, just saying. Um, I, I can't remember a particular one. And then there was a, uh, there was just look. I think it was, was it Xavier McKinney? No, he was the second round. But he's looking at his stuff, or was it Justin Jefferson? And then his girlfriend wanted to take the other well, phone. I think it was CD Lamb. I think it was CD Lamb. Okay, yeah, it was CD Lamb. I knew it was a receiver, and I was like laughing so hard about them. Like, keep on, young fella, you're gonna yeah. be single in the morning. And then uh, <laughs> Isaiah Wilson, uh, Georgia tackle, who is now a Tennessee Titan. Uh, his girlfriend was too close to him when he got. Um, got drafted so his mama just yeah. basically snatched her out <laughs> yeah. so fast like it felt like a looney tunes uh you know when they used to get the little umbrella cane yeah. and just like pull him back that's <laughs> what it felt like but look at jerry i mean i'm telling you there's jerry clones behind there to harvest the proper organs that he needs um there, well there was also uh bill belichick's dog yeah <laughs> bruce arians looking like a typical tampa resident just saying with his little uh, driving cap, his his hoodie, and then um, just his pad, man. Like, respect to Bruce. I don't know how the hell you entice players to come sit with you, but you're a humble dude the way I see it. I, there was the running joke that Bill Belichick traded out of the first round because he didn't want anybody to see where he lives. <laughs> there was uh, also the joke that uh, his dog was the one that made that, made that obscure Division Two pick for the Patriots. <laughs> It's just perfect. I, yeah. I mean, let me ask you this, because I know we got stuck with it uh, for a while, but for what it's worth, uh, and for those who are listening, go listen to Francisco and Charles's draft recap. Yeah. Um, Around the two-hour mark, we start talking about cereal. Great, greatest conversation ever. Do you feel that the way – did it deliver on the virtualness of the obscurity and the – um, at least the humor of it. I know that we had to go on super tangents, but we go on super tangents on anything, really, right? Did you feel that it provided you what you needed out of seeing the life of young men becoming NFL players and also GM and coaches who are just just very awkward human beings? Uh, well, okay. I did think that some coaches, like like Bill Belichick especially, like the fact that his dog was there, the fact that his house isn't like the most flashy thing in the world. It's, it seems like such a humble place for, for one of the guys you would say is one of the greatest coaches in football history. Uh, the fact that he has a, a human side to him with his dog there. 
And, you know, those guys are all, like, friends, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick and, uh, I, I don't know, uh, probably, he's probably friends with Phil Jackson and, and Tony La Russa and just a bunch. There's, like, a contingency of, of great managers and, and coaches so are they, that are just are they the best friends. Illuminati? Yeah, there's basically. probably a, a sports coaching Illuminati out there. But, yeah, Bill Belichick and his dog, Mike Vrabel, just basically uh, we, a bunch of teenagers in his house. He's just like... I've given up at this point, so I'm not. I'm not even. We're not even going to try and fix up this living room back here, you know. Uh, all the players, uh, as far as I didn't see anything like, like uh, anybody that's so humble where it's just like their living room on any given day. Like pretty much all of their families dressed up their their homes to to show off to the world. Um, a lot of players like were. We're definitely, uh, sheesh, their parents are, are, are loaded. And it's, but it was kind of nice seeing so like, uh, like Joe Burrows was really nice. You know, looks very yeah, humbling. His was, his was pretty tailored down. Yeah, it um, was pretty humbling, you know, that, that type of thing. You know, his, his Heisman speech kind of spoke to that, you know, from where he's from in Ohio and stuff. So that's, it shows that, look, that, that dude. He has like hopefully can he can stay that humble. He, he doesn't like let being number one go to his head, you know. Hopefully he doesn't end up being a, a bust as well, and uh, and and the Cincinnati Bengals will be the bane of the NFL's existence from here on out, um, that, which could happen. Who knows? Uh, Tua was really nice because you know it showed the Hawaii-ness of his his upbringing. He you know his whole family was wearing lays. That was pretty cool. Uh, so you got to see some of that. Uh, uh, you got to see some emotion that Cesar Ruiz. That was really nice. That was very emotional. Um, and, and of course, uh, Andrew was not there to to rein us in. And by rein us in, Andrew, you were not there to rein us in when we started getting morbid on the conversation. And it's like, well, let's look. Go down the NFL. Basically, NFL bingo. Where it's like, all right, we got a dead relative. We got a dead parent. Okay, we got the Make-A-Wish kid. Um, Ooh, uh, some comments were said uh, Make-A-Wish kid. Uh, well, it was a Saint Jude kid, not a Make-A-Wish kid. But uh, Andrew, uh, yeah, we did. We said some things. Uh, more, it was more an indictment on the Cleveland Browns than anything else. Than not, not that kid. And also on the on the NFL not being creative with their draft process. You know, day two, we weren't even on this, but day two, T. Higgins' mom fought drug addiction. Why? Oh. Yeah. Why do we need to just like capitalize on this even more? I think they did the same thing with Demarius Thomas. We're like, hey, she's doing life for dealing drugs back in the freaking nineties. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, that was yeah, they, they definitely um I don't know, I don't know, just there are some like where okay, they're they're capitalizing on this guy's upbringing and poverty to kind of make a sad sap story or a rags to riches story right now which really we shouldn't be doing we should be celebrating his 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 uh his athleticism the fact that he got to this point but of course it's espn slash abc slash the nfl so they're gonna do what they're gonna do and of course that's the reason we had our our little imaginary checklist uh so andrew if, uh, on behalf of me and charles we apologize for for <laughs> <laughs> for bringing down the sanctity of this podcast uh, once again, but you we were do not feel there. That you're the moral compass, exactly. You're the moral compass of the show. That's good. Exactly. <laughs> you 
you know, the whole reason we, we, we don't keep mentioning 420 and 69 all the time. And, and by the <laughs> way, we're seven away from the 69th episode. Um, we'll have to have nice a party for that episode. one. Though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Andrew, uh, even though, I, and also day two of the, of the draft, uh, <laughs> I did an MLB sim. And man, my enthusiasm for the draft was at zero at that point. I was like, I am not doing four hours of this. Anyways, Andrew, any highlights for yourself from the NFL draft? Uh, I know some UCF guys got picked up. Yeah, well, only one guy picked, got picked up in the draft, and that was Gabe Davis, who was the one that I spent the most time talking about last week. Uh, he was picked up in the fourth round by the Bills. Um, the the dude is dedicated, I'll tell you what, because um, his draft party, I'm assuming it was in Sanford, uh, which is where he's from originally. That's a, a suburb of Orlando, maybe like an hour north, roughly 45 minutes, 30, 45 minutes north of Orlando proper. And... Um, his family was there, and also uh, Mackenzie Milton. Um, Derek Jeter is the Marlins' lord and savior. Uh, Mackenzie Milton is one of our lords and saviors. Uh, he brought us into a whole different era of UCF football, and is an incredible player, and undoubtedly will go into the UCF Hall of Fame at some point. Um, but literally 30 minutes after Gabe got the call, he was out at a nearby field uh, uh, practicing routes with McKenzie. Oh, that's pretty dedicated. Yeah. Which hey. says two things to me. One, dude is incredibly dedicated. He could have spent the day, you know, celebrating and no one would blame him. Everyone would expect him to spend the biggest day of his life, arguably, spending it with his friends and family who were there. Um, but he's out practicing just after, which shows that he he wants this. He's dedicated and is going to do whatever it takes to become the best that he can be. And uh, I forget who the quarterback is for the Bills now. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Um, he, Gabe Davis is going to be a very good deep threat for him. Uh, someone was pointing out, and it's fair, uh, UCF ran a lot of um, vertical routes to you know stretch the field. Um, not necessarily a, a straight vert route, but... You know, a couple of posts, a couple of uh, slants, uh, whatever. He he was a very vertical guy. He didn't really cross the field that much. Um, he can if he want if he wants to though. He's certainly capable of it. But he's very good at disguising routes, so he can make something look one way. And then he'll immediately shift, so it'll give cornerbacks uh, a tough time covering him, um, especially if they're playing close. Because he has very, uh, if they're playing in close to him and they're not in soft coverage, um, 
because he can, he has enough speed that he can make one move and he's gone. Um, but going back, the other big thing was Mackenzie Milton is on the move and is throwing the ball, hmm. which is huge. Okay. Uh, for those who don't know, Mackenzie Milton, uh, in our War and I four meeting with South Florida in 2018, suffered a massive massive injury to his left leg uh, so massive to the point that he there was a pretty decent chance he could have had to it could have been amputated it was that severe um, this it, it, it puts it makes Tua's injury not downplaying his injury uh, or Bo Jackson's injury puts those to shame. Uh, the fact that he's even able to walk is a miracle. Uh, the fact that he's able to put weight on it is a miracle. The fact that he can throw is a miracle because that, since that's his that's his plant leg, it's his left leg. But the fact that he's able to throw in motion and do dropbacks and whatever is unbelievable uh so seeing that was you know warmed the hearts of all ucf fans uh and kind of put bills fans on notice of who they're going to be getting um three guys got picked up as udfas undrafted free agents uh adrian killens uh the running back i mentioned uh already he was picked up by philly already eagles fans are commenting wow, this dude is fast, um, and they're liking what they're seeing. Um, Nate Evans was picked up. Uh, he was a linebacker, I believe. Uh, he was picked up by Duval, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, and Avell Clark, uh, who I mentioned last week, he got picked up by... Uh, I forget who. It's going to kill me. I'll come back to it. Um, to, to our common alma mater, uh, FIU, if you guys got picked up, actually. One in the draft, mm -hmm. um, who's James Morgan, Captain Morgan, as he was so called, um, from Green Bay, grew up in the shadow of Lambeau, uh, started his career over at Bowling Green, uh, transferred in to FIU with two years remaining. Uh, now a quarterback with the New York Jets. Yeah, I um, I, I commented on because uh, Doug actually uh, he tweeted about that too that you know FIU quarterback, and I was like, what if this is the uh, the darkest timeline by the way? What if what if uh, Morgan becomes the Tom Brady for the New York Jets? And Tua is just another line, another uh, continuous line of quarterbacks that passes by Miami. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? It, I love it. You never I know. I love it. Um, and Navelle Clark, uh, he's defensive back. I think he was a – I feel terrible as a UCF fan. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was a safety. Um, he signed with – uh, the Vikings, he'll be teaming up with a teammate of his from 2017. That's Mike Hughes. Uh, so 
Vikings have have picked up a lot of UCF guys in their history, uh, either through the draft or just playing. Uh, Latavius Murray, running back, who's now with the Saints, if I last I recall. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Clark is a cornerback. Cornerback. Um, let's see. Uh, Josh Robinson played with the Vikings. Uh, I think I think Jacoby Glenn, if I remember correctly, uh, played for the Vikings for a bit as well. Um, let me see who else FIU got picked up as undrafted free agents. Um, I know Anthony Jones got picked up. Um, Anthony Jones running back uh, gained national news for surviving a a drive-by shooting, or as a matter of fact, back in 2018. Um, Dude is very good. Uh, Nice guy. I, I saw him a few times when I covered... FIU games for RCFB. Um, I forget where he's going. I unfortunately Seattle. I don't pay as much. He's going to Seattle. Okay. I believe so. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't pay. Um, Stantley. I feel like a terrible fan. Uh, Stantley, I forget. Uh, he was on defense. Um, but I guess the big name though would be James Morgan. Uh, he was uh, kind of the most notable player uh, coming out of FIU, and he got drafted, I think, in the fifth round. No, 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 fourth round. Fourth he got drafted round. ahead yeah. of uh, Jake Fromm. He got drafted ahead of uh, Gabe. Oh, and Jake Fromm. <laughs> That's the irony, you know, um, to point out. So let's see. Um, well, anyway. Um, that's kind of the UCF uh, FIU breakdown. Um, All right. What so, else? So, uh, Charles, how do you feel your Titans did? Yeah, yeah. Given that this is all speculation, of course, but yeah. Well, I- I'll preface it like this because I think this is actually a good like lead into it. There there is an appreciation for teams who can stay good for more than two years on success based off the draft without capitalizing free agency. And there's only really like one team that always kind of shines out in my opinion. And it's always new England, right? Cause they're typically drafting the 31st or 32nd pick in the draft. Indeed. And they usually, they usually, you know, they trade out of the first round because for us, we went, uh, nine seven and we had picked 29 i believe and the stuff that you know of who can really transcend your team they're not going to be available there so you're just kind of you're not getting projects but you really need to hit on those guys and you can't even really afford to take the swing and the misses at 28 29 and then their respective picks in the following rounds unlike the Green Bay Packers who wasted Aaron Rodgers prime by getting a quarterback and trade up for one when it wasn't needed. We got Isaiah Wilson, offensive tackle in Georgia. I read some scouting reports and we're going to preface this to everybody out there listening. The draft is all speculation. You have much of different coaches. You can have bad guys who fit into the system because they have great coaches and coordinators and you can have guys who seem to be great and then just are terrible regardless of the product. But for us, 
It filled the need because we let Jack Conklin go in free agency. Then we got Darrington Evans to be the spellback to Derrick Henry. So if he gets some playing time, that's good. We got Fulton from LSU at the cornerback, which is what we need. And we might even re-sign Logan Ryan. So that's a boon to us. So for us to kind of, the, the vision is to be consistent. You don't want to be the team who gets the AFC championship and disappears for the next 10 years. Jacksonville. We want Jacksonville we, we and so many other teams, right? And we just want to be there always contending because the AFC, we want a division title to first start off on because we were wild card the last two appearances that we had. So get a division title so we can have a home game. If it means anything, there's really no more buys, right? Because the stupid rule of the first team, the number one seed gets the buys, which I don't agree with because what's the whole point of seeding then? Um, if it's only going to be two teams, you might as well just join everything and said, all right, top two teams get their seeding and everybody else just plays it out, do whatever you got to do with it. But um, I digress. That's a different story for a different day. But um, especially since there's going to be an expansion of wildcard teams in the future. So for us, let's be the factory of at least division card you know, or division titles, especially since the stars are thinking because I don't really trust Philip Rivers in Indy. Like, I think he was blackballed a little bit in, in uh, Los Angeles, but I think the Chargers just wanted to go and get younger and not pay a quarterback $25 million a year, right? Yeah. Which is smart. That's really what it was, my personal opinion, because his stats were ugly, but... You know, there was a lot of problems with other teams. Uh, the Texans, they're pseudo-cooked, pseudo-not-cooked. It's weird because Bill O'Brien's an idiot GM, but yet he's kind of a good coach. So it, it kind of meshes out to an average season where they went, I think, 11-5 this year or last year or 10-6. and six. So as long as Deshaun Watson's there and healthy, even though there's no DeAndre Hopkins, there's still maybe some weapons. So, But we can at least be competitive with them. Uh Jacksonville's just done for a while. Even mm. though Minshew Mania is appreciated by us, he did hand us our butt in one game. But that team is just so lacking. They're, I mean, I like uh, Jacksonville's draft. I, I think with Levon Chase done, and then um, uh, I can't say his name, but the wide receiver they picked in the second round and a few other guys that they picked up in the, in the first round because I got two picks and I can't remember now because I'm shooting from the hip here. But I think they're building the block to repair. Maybe you should have gotten a backup for Leonard Fournette as the future in case you're not going to keep him. Because uh, do you want to pay him all that money? I don't know. But they still really don't have a dominant receiver. And Gardner Minshew, we might have loved him because he was better than Nick Foles in that system. But is he actually going to be consistently good for you? He looked great on paper. He was the best rookie quarterback. Mm -hmm. But is he just a serviceable starter or is he actually a guy who can elevate your team? So right. it's there for us. That's what I want. Because we're not in rebuild mode. We're not in relaunch mode. What we're trying to do is show that it's not a fluke season. And that's very hard when you have only like four or five picks and they're all late round picks, right? Mm. Because we don't know if the guys that we picked in the fifth round, the sixth round, the seventh round are even going to be on that roster. That's, and we didn't really go. That's the hard part. That's the hard. That's why yeah. it was, you know, it's been so amazing for the Patriots to do what they've been doing for the last 20 years. It's just man how are they doing this well well picking late in the round or not picking the first round at all and you know i mean it's just been the genius of their scouting of their their, their player personnel and all that stuff just finding talent or making use of talent squeezing as much out of them and then chucking them off to the side so let me ask you a question to this right because there's plenty i i would say if you're anything lower than the fourth rounder um 
you're safe on the roster. One through four, you're probably going to be on the roster. So Gabe Davis is going to make it, even though he's log jammed at receivers in Buffalo. Five, six, seven, a lot of them either get kept on practice squad. I know they expand the roster a little bit for the size, but ideally they're either released because the next best thing. So should we just not, let's just abolish rounds five, six, and seven and just let everybody else be, now let's just have college free agency here. Just do your ones and fours and five, six, sevens, let those guys have that opportunity to just sign out. And I understand guaranteed money comes to play when you're being drafted versus undrafted, but CBAs, right? 10 years talk to me when you do this, mm. but let's just get rid of it. Cause you're going to be, you get put on the practice squad if you're a six or seven round pick and another team could poach you anyway. Right. So if you're coming to the same effect, you're when you're wasting the viewers time too, are you really kind of building a team? Cause maybe you can kind of find that balance for a lot of teams for who are maybe in my position or even in the Dolphins position where you get your first four picks. Let's, let's be fair. Let's just say five, five rounds, right? You get your five round picks and then six and sevens, you just evaluate talent. And that's what the whole scouting department is, not just for the draft, but everybody coming into the draft because you're scouting, not just college, but you're also always scouting free agency anyway, where the next big guy comes in, you're saying, okay, do we need a quarterback? Do we need a running back? Do we need a tight end? all this stuff it might make it more interesting hell the dudes might get more money out of it anyway because they're protected under a men- uh, vet- uh, veterans minimum um after a couple of years and now you can create a rookie minimum if you're just picking out yeah and i would say it's different than a undrafted free agent that we're doing right now because all those kids are doing they're not getting guaranteed money they're going to maybe a signing bonus at the smallest degree right 50 and they're just going to be scouting and they're going to have to go look around working at a car dealership until the number's called. Mm-hmm. You're wasting their time, whereas it allows – I feel that it would minimize the scouting on the dudes – well, not minimize scouting, but scouting those interviews Man. for rounds one through five, and then they can actually get to know who the real diamond in the rough is because there's players in small schools, in small programs, in FCSville that are probably better than your, your quarterbacks. Look at Gardner Minshew, where he came from, Washington State, no one imagined, and he's a six-round starting quarterback, and I mean, he's going to be cheap. Do, do you think something, well, you think something that, like the XFL, would have remedied the situation? You know? Yeah, well, and that's kind of a bummer. Like, um, the NBA, for example, the G League is kind of starting to um, it, kind of eat into the profit margin, if you will, of the NCAA. I mean, it makes sense. It makes absolute sense. Yeah, the G League has been getting better, and a lot of more players are coming out of that than anything else. Yeah, and I mean, there are a lot. I think there are already two guys coming out of high school that were that would have had their pick of the litter of college basketball teams, um, but instead are going through the G League pipeline program or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if the XFL or AAF had survived, um, you know, I probably, they probably, uh, could have been almost like a G league in a sense. Right. And that really would have forced the NCAA's hand in name image likeness legislation. I mean, that's how the, I mean, you can even go back the, the, the American football league, uh, or even the USFL. That's that's what they were doing. They were signing these guys out of college, uh, and to get away from the NFL. And and I mean, maybe you could do the same thing from from. Well, I, I find it very hard from a from a high school perspective to just sign a guy straight out of high school because it's it's so much different than 
than basketball where you know top level talent can can make it pretty much the following season or two years even in baseball the same thing um guys out of high school can can make it to the big leagues in in like a year or two uh, that's it's it's hard to do and oh, even the nhl you see that happen too so mm-hmm. uh, I, fi- I find football harder because you just have to be so much bigger and stronger than everybody else and faster that it's it's very hard to see, but I, I do like this scenario where an XFL or or AF could have could have enticed the guy to like, you know what? I'm done being in college. I'm not starting. I'm not doing this. I know I have the talent. I'm not going to go through the the transfer portal. I'm just going to sign and make some money now. Uh, however much it is, at least I'm making money. Right. And the the thing is, you know, everyone's thinking, you know, how. Uh, well, at least some people, I'm sure, are thinking, you know, how can this happen? Um, you know, the guys have to go through college. That's not true. The and uh, hello, basketball. there we go. There you go. Their role is a guy. Um, so it says nothing about them in college or whatever. It's can you hear me? I, I yeah, can. Yeah, you keep dropping out. Yeah, Hello? you've been popping in and out there, so you're kind of okay. Uh, well, you guys have been dropping out too. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so I'll just repeat what I had just said. Exactly. Um, um. So there's no there's nothing in the rules that says that a player has to go to college. All these rules are based on their age, in essence. More specifically, time removed from high school. Um, The NBA, it's one year. Football, it's three years. Um, So that's how you'll get um, redshirt juniors applying for the draft in, in football and seniors as well, because they're both three years out of high school. Um, so if another XFL comes along, they could just spend three years honing their craft. And let's be honest, the guys they'll be up against are going to be a lot better than what they're going to face in college mm-hmm. to some extent. Yeah. And some, I mean, unless they'll, because some of these guys, um, you know, they're former NFLers, um, I'm I'm just using NFL for an example, but this applies also to NBA uh, or college basketball. You know, these are former NFLers. These are, you know, high draft picks, um, guys that could have gone to the NFL but didn't for some reason or just couldn't cut it, or these were the cream of the crop in college. Um, So this is going to sound horrible, removing sort of some of the dead weight, if you will. Um, You know, everyone has that, the annual tradition of would the best college football team beat the Browns, or I guess this year it would be the Bengals. The answer is always going to be no. And the reason why is because if you're in the NFL, you are naturally the best of the best when it comes to college. Even if your team sucks, you are still the best players coming out of college, whereas you don't necessarily have the best players coming out of college 
even for the top college football team, because invariably some guys aren't going to even come close to being drafted or spend time in the NFL. Um, yeah, that's, so, that's, that's kind of like, uh, I mean, same argument for baseball. I mean, there's some guys that are just awesome, awesome college baseball players, but and they get drafted and they can't make it out of the minors. They just can't. So if the NFL even had a minor league system, those guys probably would not even make it out of that. I mean, and I know this isn't exactly a great analogy because he was just lazy uh, and didn't put the work in, but Jamarcus Russell, that's like primo example of how a guy was an absolute stud in college and just did not pan out in the NFL. Um I don't know. But, <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, as a matter of fact, though, the NCAA um, is going to be holding a conference call or meeting tomorrow to go over uh, NIL legislation. So we'll see how that one pans out. Uh, you were doing the RCFB moderating for that night of the draft. Any Anything witty or funny that happened on, on there? Uh... Not really. I mean, I wasn't. I, I, I'm looking at a list here of the, the schools with multiple selections. LSU definitely uh, was celebrating because they got 14 of their guys get selected, and then yeah, they were they were the big winner of the night uh, of the draft, and the big winner of night one is understandably the SEC. Um, they smashed well smash isn't exactly a great term to use but in relative terms smash um smashed the record for most draftees Mm -hmm. in night one coming from a single conference right yeah i mean they had 15 the previous record was 12 yeah 15 63 overall uh for for the entire draft which is ridiculous, and they uh, they actually bookended the draft because number one was obviously Joe Burrow, um, but I forget his last name or forget his name, but a player out of Georgia was Mister Irrelevant, which for those who don't know, Mister Irrelevant is the 255th and final pick of the end of the NFL draft each year. Um, so the SEC truly bookended this draft. All right. Okay. So anything else from you guys about the NFL draft? Hmm? Nothing? No, no, not really. Nah. I mean... It is what it is, right? It just happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... Um, I think I thought it was kind of cool uh, seeing everyone sort of in their natural habitat. Um, kind of a bit more humanizing, especially for the, um, the uh, you know the head coaches, the GMs, except for Jerry Jones. Definitely less gaudy than it would have been had they done it on the fountains, the fountains of the Bellagio. Right, but they are going back to Las Vegas, I think, in 2022. Yeah. And it was kind of funny how Roger Goodell is kind of like checking out at the end of that draft too. It's like, man, I, right. I have to stand here and do this in my living room every. Gosh, right. 
Um, although the the one thing that I hated is Bill Belichick got a little bit more human in my eyes thanks to his husky. Yeah, like I I absolutely hated that. It's like, come on, I, I Bill Belichick is and always will be a robot to me. Yeah. Uh, but he let his husky it... sit in his chair. The husky had the Bill Belichick name che- name <laughs> yeah. nameplate under him. Yeah. So Bill Belichick briefly turned into a husky apparently. Um, and he fed the little husky, and he was smiling. It's like, no. Yeah. Belichick is a robot. The, the, he cannot be. He cannot have a dog. The, the, the same thing adorable. happened to me a few years ago when I saw Nick Saban wearing a Luigi hat. So <laughs> uh, that, yeah, those are like, man, I, I, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like when you see Brad Marchand being an upstanding human being. Exactly. Off the ice, it's like, oh come on, dude. Ah. Oh. Like, right, that that you you can't. That's it's not legal. That cannot that cannot be. That cannot stand. Um, yeah. Oh well, I guess I'll have to accept that Bill Belichick does have a heart. Yeah. All right. So that's that's it from our our, our draft coverage. So let's see. Let's let's continue on here. There's some some baseball talk, but let's get some of these smaller segments out of the way, shall we? So, sure. uh, I do have a uh, a minor league team. We'll we'll go with the minor league team first. So let's uh, better know a minor league team. We cover several different of the billions of minor league teams out there, and today is the Billings Mustangs. Billings, Montana. Yes, very good, nice. Yeah, the Billings Mustangs. They they play out of the Pioneer League, the Pioneer League for uh, that's the rookie advanced class of, of minor league baseball. They are the affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds, and it's also the longest affiliation between a team and their rookie uh, at rookie league affiliation. So that that's that's something. They were previously affiliated with the Kansas City Royals. The Seattle Pilots, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Brooklyn Dodgers. They were established in 1948 out of, as said, Billings, Montana. They play out of Dealer Park, which opened in 2008, has a capacity of 3,071, and they share the, the playing surface with the Montana State Billings. Okay, do you know the name of this college team, Andrew? I, I have to ask you. Montana State University Billings. Uh, well, I know that Billings is their main campus. That's how I knew Billings was in Montana, naturally. Um, give me a second. I know University of Montana is the Grizzlies. My cousin went there. Um, and I know that Montana State is a cat of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna run with Bobcats. No, Montana State Billings is the Yellow Jackets. Huh? Yeah. True. I must be thinking of another Montana State then. I think you're just thinking of the like just straight up Montana State, not Montana State Billings. Okay. But um, yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to check to make sure that I got that one right. But uh, okay, Montana State Billings. So, yeah, Montana State Billings, Yellow Jackets, that's their baseball team. And uh, they've won 15 championships since 1948. 
Uh, and then I've got the list of former alumni here. Uh, two Hall of Famers, George Brett and Trevor Hoffman, are on this list. And uh, let's see. Uh, notable guys from the past that I can recognize at least. Uh, let's see. Billy Hamilton. We got Miguel Rojas. Uh, Todd Frazier. Continuing on here. Todd Frazier. Let's see. Uh, I don't recognize any of those guys. Uh, Jay Bruce. Travis Wood, Joey Votto, uh, da, 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 uh, Edwin Encarnacion, Adam Dunn, Austin Kearns. So anyone Aaron, of any sort of note that came through Cincinnati. Yep, Aaron Bleepin' Boone, <laughs> Paul Baco. Yeah, once again, Trevor Hoffman, Reggie Sanders. And yeah, we're, we're, it's, a, it's a, an extensive list of guys who... Uh, were former Cincinnati Reds or at least drafted by them. So yeah. yeah so oh, they... and just as a side programming note, I don't know I don't know where I knew that Billings was on Montana. It wasn't from Montana State because their main campus out of Bozeman. Um I had to look that up. All right. But I don't know, maybe it's I saw a tornado video with a tornado <laughs> in Billings, Montana or something. Is that what you've been doing over this quarantine? Just watching tornadoes? I mean, you're from oh, yeah. Oklahoma, so that, that kind of makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's, that's, it's like uh, like a fish in water. That's my natural habitat is watching <laughs> tornadoes. And I was correct. Uh, Montana State, the one that I was thinking of. So I'll take a slight win there. All right. Okay, so <laughs> that's, uh, that's uh, our minor league team. Let's do a let's haul, y'all. And my let's haul, y'all, for today is Isaac Bruce. Ooh. So let's 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 go. I have go. no idea who that is. You don't know who Isaac Bruce is? Greatest show on well, what turf. League? NFL. National. I, yeah, Nash- I've never been that big of an NFL fan. All right. Well, National Football League Hall of Famer class of 2020. Uh, Charles, where, what is he most known for? I mean, greatest show on turf being with the Rams. Yeah. Tory Holt and Kurt Warner show. Yeah. With Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk. It was Falk. a lot of debate. Yeah. I'm just gonna throw this. I'm just gonna throw a guess out there. He was the guy that made the game-winning tackle in Super Bowl, whatever. <laughs> no, 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 he was no. Not. But uh, yeah, he's a wide receiver. He's from Fort Lauderdale. Uh, yes, most known for his time with the Los Angeles briefly, and then the St. Louis Rams. Uh, I don't know if it was him or Tory Holt that was like that still has that deep connection to St. Louis because of it. But I think it was Isaac Bruce. Yeah, it Just might have check been. on that as you're doing this. Yeah, because it's hard for those guys, even though he did briefly play for the LA Rams. I mean, his career was in St. Louis. They won a Super Bowl in St. Louis. That's where their championship is. He and he, I didn't know this. He finished his career with the San Francisco 49ers uh, last mm-hmm. two years. But uh, yeah, four-time Pro Bowler, second team All-Pro, 1999, NFL receiving yards leader in 1996. Uh, the Rams did retire his number 80. And he is only the second player ever to eclipse 15,000 yards, had 14.9 yards per reception, and 91 receiving touchdowns. So, yeah, that's, that's him. Um, let's see. He's got philanthropy here since 1996. He has provided tickets to home games to various schools and youth organizations, including uh, with has, has Ways to Provide Jerseys and Limousine Rides for Children. 
He was a United Way spokesman in 96 through 97 and United Way African-American leadership giver 97 through 99. In 2008, he, re he recorded a public service announcement and personal voice message for the Respect Campaign Against Domestic Violence. So he is an all-around good guy. So there you go, Isaac Bruce. I'm just surprised it took him so long to get into the Football Hall of Fame. I mean, he retired. I don't know what's their what's their standards with regards to how long you have to be retired before they vote on you. Because I don't know if there were some people like wavering on him being a first ballot guy. I don't know how that works. I know how it works in baseball, but I mean, regardless, he should have been in there, and now he's in there. So I'm checking right now because uh, I want to comment as, on that. As far as his college is concerned, he's out of Memphis. He was drafted in the second round in 94, 33rd overall. So there you go. Um, well, uh, so that's Isaac Bruce. And uh, what else did I have here? I got a minor league team. Uh, well, uh, Andrew, uh, we can do a little logo. Five years. Five years? Sorry. It is five yeah. years? Okay, so he, yeah. he retired in, well, he last played in 2009. I don't know when he actually did retire, retire, because, you know, players, a lot of players, like, they they stop playing, and then, like, three years later, after nobody wants them anymore, they're like, you know what? I'm announcing my retirement. So, yeah. There you go. Uh, the New logo talk. Andrew, Virginia did a thing. Yes, they did. Uh, so, the Virginia yes, Cavaliers. Oh, what? Uh, saw them saw them live at the 2019 Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not a not a fan. Really? Not a fan of what they did. Mm. As uh, uh, as have Virginia fans been vocal about it on RCFB? A, from what I've been seeing, it's a generally negative response. Mm-hmm. So let me let me go back. I'll look up the the sports logos article, but yeah, they did make changes to their to their even their color scheme. They have new logos. They changed their primary logo too. And... Well, in fairness, the the change to the primary logo was not drastic much, right? In a sense, I mean, anyone that knows anything about Virginia or college football in general knows that it's a gigantic change, uh, but it was an unnecessary change. So this their, is yeah, this is I have it on the screen here. Their old logos from '94 to 2019. So that's like 25 years of of service. Like it was, it was fine. There was no need to change it. It was one of those. Uh, one of those bullshit things hmm. to try and sell more merchandise. Um, I mean, UCF's guilty of it as well. Um, we literally changed our name to try and sell more merchandise. Uh, yeah, for most of our history, we were just the Knights. Um, but then we went and became the Golden Knights because we wanted to sell more things. Um, it's like, this... This was stupid. There was no need for them to change the logo. It was fine the way it was. It's uh... yeah, it was just stupid, and I honestly don't know why. I mean, I'm I'm 
okay-ish with them with the new word marks, I guess. Try to make things more organized. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, or or at least or the secondary logos with like the actual cavalier. Uh, no one likes those either. They don't like those either. I like it. it looks pretty cool. Mm. It looks like kind of like a, some people said like V for Vendetta esque in a sense. Mm. It looks like a bullet hole. Oh, that's true. It does look like a bullet hole. Yeah, it's. I don't know if you want to promote that in college football. (laughs) It was just. It wasn't necessary. Yeah. I I I feel like they. I feel like they've been doing this, and it's not uh, because of their football program. I think it's a basketball program thing. Who's their provider? Is it Nike? Are they a Nike school? Pretty sure it's Nike pretty sure it's nike all right I'll, I'll i'll look up i probably saw yeah it yeah yeah it was it is nike because okay. oh, nike that makes sense nike does their whole bullshit of oh we looked around the campus and found uh like they it's weird i mean i was sort of a part of the experience when ucf changed its uh its uniform set because they wanted to you know, base it kind of more on the space program and things like that. So they they do a lot of stuff. I mean, it's cool that they take the time to go to the campus and do the research, but it's like every little thing has meaning, and sometimes it's just way too much. Like, um, like the little – if you look at the handles on the new Virginia logo, right? apparently the – the grip is supposed to resemble the serpentine walls found on campus oh. or all of the angles are or okay. all of the angles are meant to resemble the main rotunda of their famous rotunda of their main building it's like why it seems like a reach when they're trying to find meaning for it you know it's like exactly. we're gonna say this but really it was just some guy on on, uh, on illustrator just kind of like all right that looks like a sword <laughs> Exactly, and like, um, here's the thing that kills me the most. Like, I could, I could live, and I mean, I'm not a Cavaliers fan, um, so I, I can't really speak for them. The one thing that kills me is the fucking beveling. Why? It was not necessary. Oh my yeah, there, it was not necessary. It's it Fine, seems change. like it, this this is a new trend now. The Houston Astros did it on their on their hat with their star logo. The the lot well, you're seeing gradient and sort of a beveling in the Los Angeles Rams logo as well. Uh, I think they're trying to introduce these kind of 3D esque. Uh, patterns and stuff especially when they 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 have like the the nylon logos that they they that are that are not fabric like to make them pop like that i, I feel like, like that's like no, a trend that's it's happening not necessary it's not it looks terrible it really does like there there was a whole movement um I, there's a nice clean minimalism to their previous logo that's true that's the thing they will inevitably go back to their old logo because this 
trend of beveling is going to get tired after a couple of years. They'll, 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 well, they'll, they'll use the current template, but they'll just remove the beveling and just leave it white like it used to be. Exactly. And the thing, though, even though it was white, it, they could use it for, they could use it in orange, they could use it in blue, they could use it in white. So even though their main logo was white, it was very interchangeable um with with all with all their logos um but like for example um texas a&m they underwent a beveling a few years ago and aggies hate it they think it looks just so stupid uh texas uh texas tech underwent the same thing a few years ago um, there was a whole, there's literally a whole website uh, of, of Texas A&M fans who are saying, you know, remove the beveling from their logo. Um, it is, it's, you know, you remember black for black sake when it comes to jerseys and uniforms? Yeah, yeah, that's... This is, cha this is change for change sake. It, it's not necessary... It's just a way to get them back in the news. It's a way for them to sell more merchandise. That's it. There's no like UCF, for example. They under they went to a whole new era and they didn't do like a minor change. They did a whole revamping of their logo system, which is fine. Uh, FIU did sort of the same thing. They went from the Sun Blazers to the Golden Panthers, and then when they went to just the Panthers, they changed it as well. But like. Why spend probably millions of dollars? No, it will be millions of dollars because you have to bring Nike in to do all of their research or whatever. I, I always find it I always find it strange that they, these people don't have their own all of these college programs because a lot of them do have uh, uh, graphic design programs or, or just all kinds of design programs. I'm surprised they don't develop it in-house all the time, that they have to get somebody else from the outside to do so. Because I think if that was the case, then you might not get such, maybe not, some, some might be drastic to people, but you, I mean, you won't get as much, uh, like, stuff out of it i don't mind the secondary logos i think secondary logos that's what they are that's what they're there for you can interchange right. secondary logos all the time um but the primary markers are what changes uh basically the entire identity of of any school or sports team and yeah although this isn't extreme i mean it's just basically adding beveling and orange to the v logo and i guess kind of refining the sabers that they have there but it, it is a change and you're gonna see a change to the uniforms and they're gonna go they're gonna try and organ it up as i call it yeah and here's an interesting thing that someone pointed out um a uva fan and i'll, I'll drop it here uh, because we need to move on to our midway segment but someone pointed out and Good point. Their new word marks are eerily similar to their biggest rival, which is Virginia Tech. I mean, uh, pull it up really quick. Uh, well, 
uh, you can't do split screen, but scroll down a little bit. Yeah. And and see the the word marks for the new word marks for Virginia. So going down. Give me a second. There it is. All right. So you see, there's no serifs. It's sans serif. Very blocky. Um, all very even. It, I don't know what kind of a font name it is, but it's 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 that. It's a pretty generic-ish font. Yet it's not. Yeah. Now I want you to pull up the word marks for Virginia Tech. Right, give me a second because my computer might explode on me. Okay. Uh, let's see. Virgi well, I'm looking on my other screen there. And, yeah, I can see some similarity to it. Uh, the Hokies have kind of like a notch in their uh, their logos, like in the middle of, uh, of any letter that has like a middle section, like H or E or R. So that's like the main difference. I, I wouldn't say it's completely similar, to be honest, given how it looks. Um, well, it's obviously annoying a lot of uh, UVA fans. All right, so hi everybody, this is Francisco all over again. Uh, I don't know what the heck happened, but I lost connection to everybody, so I'm going to try and rejoin this call between Andrew and Charles and see what happens, because I have no idea what just went down. All right. All right, so I'm popping back That's in. That's what tuition money and everything else is getting redesigned. Holy shoes. Yeah, Welcome back. none of that happened. Yeah, whatever you guys were saying, none of that happened because it, it just didn't happen on my computer because I lost oh. a complete connection here. Well, there you go. We, we were just trying to, to keep the ship afloat, but... Uh, yeah, what I was just it, saying, it, Andrew, is that the, the ship can't keep ugly. going if I'm the one that's uh, feeding it Holding the, its up. fuel. <laughs> well, this is all you need to know from my end. The jerseys are ugly. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, hey, it's a nice. We're, we're at the halfway point. So we can just kind of split it, part one and part two. Uh, a word from our non sponsors, everybody. People, places, things, what have you. And, yeah. Uh, what have you guys uh, been loving last week or so? Anyway. Um, I guess I'll start this week since I've not been starting recently. Mm. Um, man, at this point I forget what I've sponsored or not. I need to go back through all 62 of our episodes and compile a list so I don't uh, repeat anything. Um... Yes, this week, uh, man, I forget which company did it, but um, a couple of years ago, uh, well, the sponsor is unnamed company that uh, puts logos onto pint glasses. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't know how I'm um, going to search for that, but all right. I, I'll... I'll I'll come back next week and um, and give you the official name, but let me uh, let me give a story here. Um, so about four years ago, uh, RCFB and this before this was well before I was a mod. Um, what RCFB does is they'll do uh, fundraisers and uh, drives throughout the year 
Um, the money does not go to our CFB. It doesn't go to mods. We're all volunteer, um, in case you were wondering. Um, but the money goes to charities. Um, well, it's kind of a mix. Uh, what we do is we hold these drives to uh, buy bricks at various schools. Um, you know, uh, Francisco, I'm sure at FSU they have, you know, brick pavers with people's names yeah, on it. Yeah, you donate some money and uh, you get a commemorative a brick and stuff. I have one at Marlins Park myself. Yep. So, so our you, Lord you know and exactly Savior Derek Jeter can about. see my name every day. <laughs> So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so most colleges have those commemorative bricks somewhere on their campus. A lot of times they have two of them set up. Like at UCF, they have one at the Alumni Center, and then they have another set over at, uh, at the football stadium. So what RCFB does is they hold these, these uh, fundraising drives where they put, they pick like three projects, um, and say, "All right, we need to raise X amount of money to buy a brick there." Um, and then once the money is raised, and it, it always is, the people are very, uh, very charitable at RCFB. Um, what happens is we get to put whatever you know, text within reason it still has to go through the school's vetting process. Um, but what we, what we do is we put some funny text like, um, at UCF, one of them is, uh, I forget exactly. It was like, I bought this brick to throw at a USF fan, but was told <laughs> I couldn't. Um, and then all of them at the bottom are signed RCFB. So, um, one of those fun drives happened about four years ago now. And you, what usually if you donate X amount of money, you get like a, a flare, like a little icon or logo, um, things like that. But they stepped it up a little bit for this one drive. They said, if you donate X amount of money, you're going to be, you'll be able to get a pint glass with the RCFB logo of your school or for, of your choosing because RCFB has, has its main logo. You can look it up, uh, but they also have customized logos for each of the schools or most of them at least. So I got it <laughs> and it was supposed to be a couple of months. Uh, I got the one with the UCF logo on it naturally mm. So it was supposed to be a couple of months because they had to, you know, test the the pint glasses, make sure they worked, weren't going to warp in the wash or whatever. And then they also had to make sure that the logos would survive washes or whatever because it's not etched in. It's a vinyl or whatever. It's, it's kind right. of stuck onto it. Mm -hmm. um, so what was supposed to be a couple of months turned into two years. Oh, okay. Because of various things like the the company that made the vinyl went out of business. Uh, the uh, and actually you had an option between a pint glass or a beer stein, um, but eventually they just dropped the whole beer stein thing and just focused all their energy on the pint glass because it was taking too freaking long. 
Um, we have actually a running inside joke now that if someone if someone is really late to a discussion or they're, you know, kind of like the the slowpoke meme or um, the Internet Explorer meme, where it's like, what do we want? You know, cookies, and then like three panels later, Internet Explorer says cookies or something like that. So our equivalent of that is a pint glass. Okay. All right. Um, so anyway, um, so a couple of like a week or so ago, um, I've had this pint glass now for two years. I got it two years ago, and I've never once used it. I've had it in you know safe packing and storage because hell if I'm going to let that thing break after waiting two years. That is, it is a priceless, irreplaceable thing because they are never going to do that again. Um, but the mods and I, the mods were doing a happy hour the other night, uh, one way to kind of have fun during mm -hmm. this quarantine. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? This is a perfect occasion. I'm going to break out, uh, I'm going to break out the pint glass. So it was pint glass. Um, it was fun to use finally. Um, made me feel like an adult drinking out of the pint glass. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was a very long-winded story to say I'm very appreciative of my pint glass nice. and uh, finally got to use it. Uh, promo code two years. Okay. All right. I guess I'll go second. So pint glass. So second for me, uh, this is – I'm going – it's going to be a double whammy double whammy because i've been enjoying two i've been doing all these mlb sims for a while now for almost the entire month and it's been fun me sitting down there and, and uh doing a very long players remember forget for 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 an hour or so but it's it's made me appreciate the companies the video game companies of days gone by and the competition that used to be in sports video game sectors but it's not any longer. It's just dominated either by EA or 2K. So one of my, uh, I think it was uh, the Reds versus the Yankees broadcast, I use MLB 2K6. And let me just say that was one of the worst video games I have ever, ever seen. It is an awful mess. There are video games from years prior that look better graphically better presentation didn't run at the speed of sound like that one did because i think they were just trying to get the baseball game over as quick as possible and they probably <laughs> developed it as quick as possible it was almost basically that episode of south park when they didn't want to play baseball at all um but um well, i thought it was america um anyways uh so it made me appreciate these two companies uh midway games and acclaim yeah. So those are my non-sponsors. I mean, though they have no ability to sponsor us now because they are dead. But Midway Games and Acclaim, uh, because they used to make sports video games back in the day. So not not Midway, not the movie Midway. Gosh darn it. Um, <laughs> Midway Games. That's how old it is. Yeah. It's, th it's thinking of a movie. So Midway of, Games. Like... There's a logo. This they used to make a bunch of arcade games, including NBA Jam. Uh, including Mortal Kombat, that's where they came from. NHL uh, hits. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm I'm getting them because of those 
particular video games, the violent sports video games that uh, we we no longer have because a bunch of soccer moms were angry that their kids were were playing sports video games with violence in them. Uh, okay, Thanks, and, and playing them back now because I finally got MLB Slugfest, and that's going to be the next sim, Yankees versus Tigers tomorrow, guys. That's what the video game that's going to be on two thousand and three. Uh, that's. They weren't that violent. It wasn't like they were decapitating people. I get that this is the company that made Mortal Kombat, but that's not what was happening in those sports video games. It was fun. It was interesting. It was extreme, uh, but not so extreme that it offended anybody other than Karens out there. Um, <laughs> it. I, I miss that. I miss sports video games like that, and I, I doubt that we're going to see that ever again. In this day and age, we're just going to get these cookie cutter, uh, copy and paste games that don't see any innovation uh, until like three generations from now when, uh, I don't know, we get our hologram versions of MLB The Show. And then we have Acclaim. They they did a lot of horror, but they made a lot of bad video games, but their, their baseball line of video games, All-Star Baseball featuring our Lord and Savior Derek Jeter on the cover. Those were solid baseball games. Andrew can attest to that. I'm sure Charles as well. We've all probably played a version of that game either on the PlayStation uh, 1, PlayStation 2, the Xbox, or or the GameCube or N64. They weren't bad baseball games. Not the most graphically spectacular, but better than World Series Baseball 2K or All-Star. No, Major League Baseball 2K6, not World Series Baseball. That was uh, when Sega used to have the 2K series. Um. And yeah, it's been so long that I'm not even getting that. Yeah, All Star Baseball game here, I'm trying to put it on the screen, but very solid baseball game, very solid pre- presentation, um, and I enjoyed them a lot. And looking back on on it now, these games have aged quite well compared to other sports video games, especially from the N64 and PlayStation One days. So. Thank you to those two companies for giving a crap about what they were doing back then. And not just copying and pasting year by year. It seems like the All-Star Baseball series improved in their presentation every year to the point where uh, we had the last one where Derek Jeter is <laughs> Andrew, where Derek Jeter is making uh, uh, funny quips about their fake baseball stadiums that they created. Seriously, though. I mean, you wouldn't see that nowadays. You just wouldn't. No. And thank you guys. Thank you to the developers, whoever made them. And if you guys are still out there working in the video game industry, uh, thank you. So that's that's it for me. Uh, promo code. Hmm. Promo code. Um, Karen suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to follow that now, right? Um. Mine was kind of tough to kind of figure out because I was thinking of a game and then Francisco kind of knocked out two of them. And then as much as I am uh, a fan of stampy logos on beer signs, I don't necessarily have that. (laughs) Uh, Ironically, I do have a friend who for one Christmas made me a Game of Thrones beer sign, you know, just kind of did like a House Stark symbol and then the Hand of the King symbol. But, you know, given the events of how I'm kind of pushing towards let's support eateries and local eateries or any kind of eateries given this uh the cv craze Mm -hmm. i'm gonna kind of go from there so i like a good pizza i think everybody likes a good pizza but then 
here true pizza is kind of expensive and i, was, I know what you're saying i was charles. thinking of getting pizza tonight to be honest but yeah yeah and, and well this is all it's kind of related i know what you're saying charles you know you're an attorney you got the big bucks you can get that fat juicy pizza and i instead said all right i'm going to be a cheapo and go for a pizza deal that allows me to have two two medium pizzas with two topping takeouts and be fully satisfied so in lieu of getting great quality pizza i went for the above average depending on the day quality pizza so i picked domino's um you know domino's, domino's is fine you know but so the reason why i kind of went for them is just because uh I, I am impressed how everybody is trying to kind of create this concept of contactless delivery. And it's just amusing to kind of be outside as someone pulls up to my driveway and just leaves it to a spot on like a little like wooden table that I have. So I, I guess, you know, for me, I'm like, hey, thanks for trying, even though we're having contact, you're breathing in my air and vice versa. But just give me the pizza. Thanks. I feel like uh, the beginning of Ninja Turtles where I'm Mikey in the sewers saying, hey, you know, just leave the money in the thing. He's like, oh, I got the cash. I'm like, you're late, man, by 30 seconds. I couldn't find it. I was like, that's your problem, dude, not mine. But I'll, I'll give him some heads up because what I do like getting from Domino's is their thin crust pizza or the thin cut pizza like very thin slice you put a little robust sauce if you are in the idea of managing you know food if you want to manage some time you know this was able to feed me for both dinner and lunch the last two days and even though i do miss the idea of great made pizza i didn't want to go and go to my local pizza joints and pick something up i was very much a bum yesterday gentlemen you know aside from you know staying in a white t-shirt and um boxer shorts you know i didn't want to get right. into the car yeah you, so you had a garbage day i get that I yeah get that. so instead instead all i had to do for Domino's to look like a presentable human being was just put on my gym shorts and so no one has to see my specialized underwear um you know i'm sure cliff kingsbury has his own too but him and i are not trying to you know to to talk shop here right but regardless you can have it your way coming into it they sell desserts they have their sandwiches they got these little weird little like chicken cheddar bites that i think are actually pretty tasty and then you know if you want some leftovers the next day you go always from there they're affordable they're trying to go for contactless delivery i still think it's kind of oxymoronic because there's always some kind of form of contact if you're touching the box but if you're looking to get a good deal of a medium a small or a large pizza for six seven eight dollars that's fine anything higher than that if you listen i'm just gonna say it now if you're spending about 30 bucks on pizzas just go to your local pizza joint um they get the real cut slices mm -hmm. including you francisco yeah. but if you're lazy like me and you want to get a mix and match deal and i'm all about the deal that's why we order value meals from fast food right because it's saying hey you can get fries and a soda with your meal for like six bucks as opposed to your 435 so mm -hmm. just go do this and when you think about it i think about in our earlier college days when we have get-togethers or stuff like that um we weren't rich so whether it's in bachelor bachelor of the arts days or law degree days we would just kind of get the cheap pizza and every it's like Domino's is kind of like the perfect hey get together kind of pizza i do like me a little bit little caesars when you actually get somebody who knows how to spread the proper marinara sauce and i haven't had pizza hut in seven years but um, hmm. for me, I'll just say, hey, in all this uh, quarantine stuff, and if you want to be a lazy bum like me and basically live out your spirit as Oscar the Grouch, uh, get yourself some Domino's and enjoy promo code contactless. All right. Yeah, Domino's has a soft spot in my heart. It used to, my dog Caesar and I, we used to just I drive with him to go and get some carryout. So uh, that, I'll, I'll never say anything bad about Domino's for that. So, yeah, the sentimental part of my heart there. <laughs> All right, so we got Domino's unnamed pint 
glass logo maker and uh, a claim in Midway. This is <laughs> all right. So that's that's our our non-sponsors. So next next subject here, I, I guess. Uh, well, Charles, you, you actually mentioned a hockey part, so a hockey a um, a hockey subject. So uh, John McDonough of the Chicago Blackhawks was recently fired. He was the president and CEO of the Blackhawks, and yeah, it's 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 significant because uh because he he was before then he was a a, um an executive with the chicago cubs for like the longest of times and then he moved over with the blackhawks now before i'll tell you this the chicago blackhawks never used to be a stellar hockey organization like for the longest time they're their their previous owner which his name was bill warts and uh, bill Wirtz, and a bunch of fans uh mockingly called him dollar bill Wirtz because he refused to spend a lot of money on players a lot of money on the team there was a point a, a long point in their history where blackhawks home games were not broadcast on tv you had to actually go see them the road games were but home games were not broadcast on tv and that all changed when he uh, that owner died, and his son Rocky Wirtz took over. And when his son took over, he hired John McDonough, who had worked with the Cubs. The Cubs were, despite the fact before, and they were not the best on the field, but uh, off the off the baseball field, they were a stellar organization, uh, great fan experiences, and that was his. I guess his greatest contribution was creating a great fan experience to bring people back. To the Blackhawks, the Blackhawks at one point had one of the worst attendances in the NHL. A lot of people like to jump on the Sun Belt franchise and say, "Oh, you guys don't have fans and stuff like that." Well, when you suck, people aren't going to go see you. And the Blackhawks, an original six franchise, they sucked for a long time, and people didn't want to go see them. So this guy decided to. Uh, try and engage the fans more. They finally put home games on TV. Uh, they brought back um, one of their broadcasters who was fired uh, because he had a tiff with the previous owner. And Dale Talon was drafting a bunch of young players to to help the Blackhawks get out of what they were in. They were just mired in mediocrity. It's like, you know what? We're going to tank and we're going to get young guys and we're going to build through the draft and and have smart trades and key free agent signings and that's how we're going to get back and well finally in 2010 it all worked out and they won a stanley cup for the first time since 1962 i think or 61 and then the dynasty started they won three in like within the course of like six years so but since then, the Blackhawks have started going downwards. It happens to all dynasties. At some point, you're just not going to be good anymore. And that's what's happening with the Blackhawks. They're, they're hanging on to some of their players who are older now from those days. And uh, this is kind of the first uh, huge, huge drop. Well, the first huge drop was when they fired Joe Quenville, who's now the coach of the Panthers. He's the one that coached them through 
those three cops. Now this guy has been fired. And now there's a lot of Blackhawks fans who are thinking maybe the GM, Stan Bowman, will get uh, the axe. And Bowman uh, picked up the team in 2010 as the GM when they fired Del... Well, it wasn't that they fired Del Talon. They kind of relinquished him of his GM duties because he made a mistake uh, with regards to money and stuff. And which is kind of an important thing to do and manage when you're a general manager and manage the money pretty well. But Talon was the guy who drafted and, and made some key trades of, of that 2010 team and the core of their of their dynasty. So he gets a lot of credit for that. And Stan Bowman is kind of seen as the guy who just picked it up and where it left off. Although, to his credit, he kept the dynasty going. But unfortunately, he's got... he's. He's getting caught in the in the aftermath of keeping the dynasty up when the dynasty is dead and they should probably start breaking everything up. And if Bowman gets fired because McDonough is fired now and Quinville is out, then very likely Bowman will be the next one to fall. And a lot of Blackhawks fans are hoping that happens so that they can hit the reset button and and uh, build the next great Blackhawks team so that's that's what's going on with chicago blackhawks right now but they're one of the first successes oh it's them and the pittsburgh penguins of tanking uh, getting the getting the great guys and it and following through with it by winning a championship and a lot of teams in all the sports are replicating the same formula because it has worked the nhl does have a salary cap so you can't spend your way uh, to a championship like you would in baseball, but, right, Charles? A A A. Well, get uh, hold on now. The Yankees haven't won a championship in more than a decade, exactly. Which is uh, pretty significant, by the way, because it's I think the first time since like this the eighties since that's happened. Um, we didn't. We, you see, we're so rich, we never see a trash can. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we can all. We can all bang our our, our our own trash cans to that. So, uh, <laughs> let's see. There we go. <laughs> so yeah, that's what's going on with the Blackhawks. Um, so there's a little hockey history there, a little bit, a brief one. But um, and I was gonna mention one other thing. I was gonna tell you about the Bill Masterton Trophy. Uh, yeah. A little learn a goof here. So Charles, the the Bill Masterton Trophy is it's basically the comeback player of the year award for the NHL. It's not necessarily that. Um, it, you can award it to a player for you know going through some hardships and stuff. Uh, usually, a comeback player you would think is like when somebody got injured uh, for a while and now they they finally resurrect their career, or or a guy that's that's been bad for for a few years and then was once good and then finally has a comeback year. Um, but the NHL is a little different. It was named after Bill Masterton, who he died um, from in-game injuries in January 15th, 1968. He played for the, the Min- only player. Yeah. The only have died from in-game injuries. Right. Um, he played for the Minnesota North stars. The North stars retired his number. The Dallas stars still have that number retired uh, even after they moved. And according to the NHL, it's awarded to the player who best exemplifies the, 
qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to ice hockey. Players are nominated by their team, and then the uh, Professional Hockey Writers Association votes on the nominees. Uh, oftentimes it's considered, the, like I said, a Comeback Player of the Year award, and the Montreal Canadiens and New York Rangers both have five players apiece for the most uh, to be awarded for a single team. And there you go. That's that's it. So sometimes uh, it's for it's for any reason. I think Jose Theodore won it once. He was a goalie. Um, I think with the Colorado Avalanche at the time, he got it because I think his he and his wife lost their their baby. Um, and it died. And then I think Yarmir Yager won it in 2016 because he was 45 years old and doing what he was doing. Uh, with the Florida Panthers and just being good, and and it kind of takes that quality of perseverance uh, requirement uh, for the award. So there's just all kinds of reasons for winning it, and yeah, that's the Bill Masterton Trophy. All that's right. kind of depressive. It's you know, based on how it's you know going from there. I mean, yeah, sometimes it's just because the the player has gone through hardships in their life, and then they come back and 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 just keep playing and then persevere through it. So it is what it can be inspiring, like with Yager, or it can you be kind of sad? But either way, they they find a way to 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 keep on keeping on. All right, so that's what I got for that. Another subject uh, I've, I sent to the board, you guys, uh, an article about baseball. With another plan, another proposal for getting the season started and actually having it happen. Don't know I if you guys. I love this plan. You, okay, uh, Andrew, since you've read it, can you kind of give the details? Yes. So MLB is going to, for one season, do away with the standard ALNL. Uh, breakdown, and instead, what they're going to do is they're going to divide the league into three conferences, if you will, three leagues of 10 teams each that are broken up by ge- by geography. So you have an East, you have a Central, and you have a West. Um, let me, I want to, I want to be sure of what are the teams in those, in those divisions. Um, so I know the East is going to comprise of the New York Yankees, the New York Mets, the Boston Red Sox, the Toronto Blue Jays, so uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, the the Miami Marlins, the Washington Nationals, and the Baltimore Orioles. I think that's ten, and the Philadelphia Phillies. I think that's ten teams. Here, let me see. I have the list here. Um. So the thing is that most of the teams would be playing in their home ball, ballparks, though. Um, I think they said like 20 stadiums would be used. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my guess is, you know, they might reuse some stadiums um, if they're located next to each other. Um, so the East would be Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, Nationals, Orioles, Phillies, Pirates, Blue Jays, Rays, and Marlins. All right, so that was the one I was missing. All right. Central would be Cubs, White Sox, Brewers, Cardinals, Royals, Reds, Indians, Twins, Braves, and Tigers. 
the West will be Giants, Oakland, or Giants Athletics, Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Rangers, Mariners, Angels, and here's where it gets great. Dodgers, Astros. Yeah. Yep. Incredible. Yeah. It's, um, uh, and I think the the reason they're going with this plan is because it's it's a, more appealing to the players than anything else. Um, yeah, it, it would, and it reduces travel a, quite a bit. Uh, most teams wouldn't even have to leave their time zone. I think. Well, maybe in the West because you have Colorado. But it's uh, not that is, that drastic. But it's not that bad. Um. Actually, it might even just be all of their own ballparks. But um, well, the, the the reason they're doing it this uh, this is one of the, this is a proposal is because the players' association, uh, the players themselves, were not keen on the exclusively Arizona Florida plan, right? Because of the separation from their families. And right, exactly. This kind of this does away with that because they can be at their homes and the travel is minimized because they would only play the teams in their division and that would be it they won't there would there would be no cross division play right right and yeah you'll have home games in your home ballpark which is great for players too um i like this plan so far, I I don't know. I still don't think we'll get fans in the ballparks. We might have the awkwardness of empty stadiums. But at the very mm-hmm. least, you'll have the familiarity of home ballparks and home broadcasters and things like that. Um, I'm sure the, I guess maybe the advertisers might be happy with that too. Uh, and maybe they'll wean in fans as as um numbers go down with regards to the virus and that's what they're thinking they're saying that games might be you know with a few thousand fans or so not at the beginning obviously but maybe toward the end toward um you know the playoffs we're getting to october at that point and i heard part of maybe a certain part of the plan is to play a certain amount of the season exclusively arizona florida and they said texas and then and then start fanning out to their home ballparks later on but it's all still i think this might be the the happy medium of the two plans if they do it that way too but either way this plan i'm I'm a fan of it to be honest and we kind of get the interesting matchups you have the traditional Yankees, Red Sox, Yankees, Mets. Um, I mean, luckily for luckily for uh, baseball, um, most of teams' rivals are natural location-based rivals. Exactly. All right, Char- uh, Charles, do you have any any thoughts on the plan? Yeah. <laughs> For two two things, like full disclosure, I did not go in depth into the reading. I just kind of glossed at it and just kind of go for my knee jerk reaction. But 
I, I still feel that you take into account the the situation that we live in that I, I like player health. I don't want anybody, even if they're multimillionaires or not multimillionaires, you know, in the minor league as players to have the possibility of contracting it. Mind you, you know, that that's so determinative on so many things that we can't predict. Um, I'm not crazy about anybody running the risk for my entertainment. I'm a grown ass man. I don't need to survive my day by baseball being played out a season or a quarter season. Ironic that I do a podcast on sports, but you know, <laughs> life is full of hypocrisy and I'm King hypocrite. Um, I understand the amount of revenue that would be lost for ownership, for MLB network, for the players, for the, for the cities, but there's already been loss of ownership in other leagues, basketball, and NHL, and it seems that the only league that's really going to go unperturbed is going to be the NFL, and it's just kind of ironic that the biggest industry in sports is going to be the one that really doesn't have that much of a, a blowback from it, but there are even players getting affected as well. You know, when every league come into it, Von Miller had it, and then baseball, there was the minor leaguers, but is the needs of the many greater than the needs of the one because all it takes is one you know, big one, you know, Aaron Judge to get it, one um, mm. uh, Ramo Cunha, and you don't know what's going to happen because I don't, I, you got to look at it on a big scale of it. And part of it, the argument that you can make is, well, Charles, it's still their livelihood. They're not going to be, they're going to lose out money too, as are the people in those ballparks. And, you know, people deserve this. But how do I want to say this without sounding inflammatory? Are we a little entitled to say that I deserve baseball during a pandemic, right? I mean, that's just me objectively looking at it. You guys have known my stance was just let the season pass. That's me. Yeah. That's me coming into it because I, I don't believe back in March, I was the advocator of, you know, get rid of college basketball in the tournament, get rid of all this stuff for, for the kids there. And the same thing would approach the professionals. The only thing that's going to be unaffected, I would feel would be unless people catch it in the now would be football. And that's sometimes the way the cookie crumbles. So you could realign it. And that's, that's the humanistic side of me. Here's the other side. Baseball's really that weird sport where I care about ALNL, you know, mm. versus NFL, AFL versus East and West coast versus in basketball and then i don't really follow hockey but it's the same thing of east and west coast so yeah i don't know why i think it's because it's enriched in that history knowing that aside because we'll get division games but listen you can have rivalries without being in the same division if you like right now dodgers uh astros to the end of time is a rivalry and they're not in the same damn conference anymore but uh you, you get an excitement i would feel and this is just being a yankees fan of like, oh, our challenge is going to be this, but then we got to get the Dodgers. You know, that was always the big fear. Granted, we haven't touched a World Series since 2009, as Francisco mentioned, but that's the excitement of it. So it's weird. You don't look at football and be like, all right, AL, AFL, we're, or AFL, AFC, we're going to get uh, we're gonna get somebody for the AFC. Who are we going to get? The Seahawks? We get the Rams? There's none of that. And the East-West, in basketball, it was kind of interesting with the super teams when they were around because it's like, all right, it's Golden State, but who's going to be the team that brings them down? But um, that that's the fan side. So there's the human side of saying, mm. y'all need to stop thinking that, you know, the best thing to do is really have sports during the season with something like this that's only intensifying because governors and senators and presidents aren't necessarily approaching it the right way. And let's not put ownership because they want to make the almighty dollar unless it's the ultimatum. Who knows, right? Because is baseball essential workers? And that's philosophy 
for a different day that I don't have the answer to. And then there's the fan answer of I kind of like AL versus NL because I'm petty. Um, listen, I was the guy who also loved it when it meant something at the All-Star game. And I know you guys vehemently hated it from our past discussions, but I thought it made the All-Star games mean something versus now where I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Well, I get your your reverence to history with regards to AL and NL because before we never used to have an interleague play. Um, I still like interleague play. In fact, I, I, well, honestly, I think, uh, well, a bunch of stuff. NL should add the DH and just make the whole thing even. I Correct. still think that every team should play every team anyways because it only helps you advertising-wise. The fact that I only get to see Mike Trout once every three years, well, actually, once every six years if uh, to come to Miami, uh, that's that's a travesty. So y- your best players in your opposite league cities, you're not going to see them for the longest of times unless you match up in the World Series every single year. But uh, so it's it's very rare. And because look, uh, I like this because of the matchups. I like uh, my, my my dad was like. It's not going to get easier for the Marlins. I'm like, it's not going to be easy for the Marlins either way. We're going to suck. <laughs> and you're going to put us in a division with the Yankees now? Oh, that's going to be great. Um, uh, we're still going to finish last place in a division with all of those teams that we have mentioned before. It doesn't matter. Um, unless they put us in a div- Unless they did realignment by your record and we're facing the bottom 10 teams in the league (laughs) which would be an interesting thing to see the marlins are not going to do well all right if we're playing the royals every season every every game we might have a chance but or it might just be 50 50 Uh, anyways i I like i i get your 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 ideas and yes one of the issues is player safety is family safety uh, with regards to the players and of course the staff that has to work the games and stuff like that umpires and and everybody else and people with lighting and stadium management groundskeepers all that they have to keep that going um and it only takes like i said rain delays or some sort of other natural disaster or hurricane to kind of mess everything up anyways so uh I, I still hope they they do play baseball at some point. They're, they're playing it out. In, they're going to play out in Korea. I think they start May 5th. Uh, they're already, the, the season's already started in Taiwan. Uh, we're still waiting on the, on the Japanese league to, to get started. So it, I think it's doable. But, of course, players get paid more here. They have the Players Association, strongest in, in sports. So it's not a given. But I do want baseball to be played, uh, even if it's I, – I said do it NFL style just once a week, one game per week, just to even minimize things further. But that's that's a different story for so a different day. So would they but... have fan interaction? You know, would they allow <laughs> people to attend? Uh, unless they, they do it. Unless they do it. Have... Unless they – well, I would say they wouldn't have fans in attendance, and maybe they'll, they'll vet fans like the NFL drafted – with their their fan board i could see that happening too uh because it, what's the scoreboard used for if, if nobody's going to be uh watching so you might as well have just fans in the background i don't know but of course you can't uh promise that somebody won't uh whip out their their penis and and show it off to the masses 
um charles uh anyways hey hey <laughs> it, it, it's a seventh one of the world um My, I, I asked that because it, <laughs> it looks 40 feet on the yankee stadium I, I scoreboard <laughs> Exactly. That's why Jerry. See, Omega, Andrew, why Jerry Jones built this is why you are a moral compass. You have to stop me when I start going this way. I'm just letting it go. <laughs> oh, God. Letting it all hang out. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so I asked that question because it was something my buddy and I had talked about. I want to get your two takes on it is if you're going to reopen stuff. Um, I think baseball benefits from not really having a crowd. It's weird. I've been to several live attendance games. We've gone together. Uh, and so happened that we went to a team that wasn't good last year when we went. So if there's any time to kind of practice a sport that doesn't necessarily need that high energy of a crowd and you can really appreciate a pitcher and a batter and they're 80 percent of the time it's just those two until mm -hmm. the outfielders and the infielders come into play. I think it's baseball. Plus, there's got to be something great about hearing the deafening crack of a home run or not yeah. even that just an inline single. Yeah, um, well, I mean, uh, well, we've had. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, 2015 in Baltimore. Yeah. There was literally no one in the stands for that one. Right. And the crack of the bat was just incredible. Yeah. Uh, there was I, I, one I, hit in particular from Adam Jones where he just like swap. Yeah. Yeah, just like this echoing of, of that too. It's like, wow, this is kind of eerie. Um, I, I do get... I do get that. Like, imagine if the NBA or NHL, because they both would have been in their playoffs right now. Imagine if they decided, you know what, regular season's a wash. We're just going to start the playoffs. Whatever, you know, whatever sixteen teams for each league made were the top sixteen teams. Those are making the playoffs, and we'll just start. But I mean, energy in the playoffs is just different. Especially for hockey. Dear yeah. Lord, the tension of a hockey playoff game is... Second to none. Exactly. It is... Uh, I've had the privilege of going to one Panthers playoff game, and it was like, man, I, you feel your heart stop. I, I, you, it'd be so weird to see a playoff game being played with nobody in the crowd. Even a regular hockey game being played with nobody in the crowd. Mm -hmm. It... it I mean, players will be yelling at each other. Man, the, the, I, I would hire, if I was a broadcasting crew, I would hire a team of people. We're going to have the mics open, but just a team of people on that five-second delay just hitting that beat button. <laughs> because you'll, you'll realize how, my, how much those guys curse with regards to any sport, really. Man, that, that would be, that would be in interesting, that's for sure. Um I don't know where to go from here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, we're kind of getting towards the last part of our show, unless anybody has any other topic they want to talk about before we get to this. Uh, not really. All right. So let's do it then. And Charles, what's going on in the world wrestling? All right. Welcome, everybody, to your weekly Truplex The Cage with Charles full disclaimer wrestling is not fake it is scripted it is a dance it is poetry emotion it is a story about men and women chasing championships it is a story of revenge the story of the underdog trying to climb the corporate ladder and make something of themselves and their names now gentlemen not a whole lot going on in the wrestling world a whole lot going on in the wwe world though 
Mm. Uh, uh, you know, I, I talked well, to Francisco uh, uh, other, earlier. Today. Other than what they did to us earlier today. Other than what they did to us earlier today, and all we right. are above this, Vince. All we're right. above this. So to, to all sure. of our Pakistani fans, we're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> One day you'll find out, but we signed that non-disclosure. Um, <laughs> WWE shareholders are suing WWE and top officials, uh, basically inciting revenue loss, you know, not any kind of being candid. I won't go into details about it because the worst thing I can do is talk about wrestling and the law because I just get, I, I wouldn't know where to begin and it'd just be vomiting rage, but it was something that I was expecting to come at some point. Um, so Vince is just having a very bad week because, or bad couple weeks, XFL's <laughs> bankrupt. He lets go all these people to which there's a whole bunch of um, negative backlash that comes into it. And now he's getting sued by shareholders. Vince, if this is not the hint to jump ship, hint, hint, jump ship, pal, <laughs> jump it like it's the Titanic. So you can give the reins over to a Patsy and we can start a new generation. You know, that's my hint to you. Um, but go into real wrestling, money in the bank week from Sunday. They, I told you guys last week, they hadn't finalized certain wrestlers and they took out a wrestler. Apollo Cruz was getting his little bit of a shine for being, you know, a soldier being out there during this whole CV situation. And then they gave him a storyline injury last night on raw where he tweaked his knee. He wrestled two matches that night, one in a six-man match, another one for the United States Championship against Andrade, and he hurt his leg. So either two things are going to happen. We have now connected with the fans to make Apollo actually relevant and the ultimate babyface, to which he's either going to come back in the money in the bank and still lose and not be able to obtain that briefcase, or he's going to come back and take the U.S. belt off of Andrade. I kind of would rather have the second one be an option, and they do what they always should have done, have Kevin Owens insert in that position and win the money in the bank briefcase because – there's guys in that match that don't deserve it. Well, I don't want, let me rephrase that. Whose stories wouldn't work if they had it. Um, like for example, Daniel Bryan has won it before. Baron Corbin has run it before with a failed cash in. I love me some Aleister Black, but I don't think he's the guy that you want to have it yet. I think you still want to build him up through the mid card, give him a mid card title, and then maybe eventually get you know, into the main event scene by putting over or being put over by a couple of the big guys. Uh, they haven't finalized it yet. Same thing with a women's match. You have a couple of big names like Asuka, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler is the expected winner. Dana Brooke is in it. Uh, good for her. She's probably not going to win. Money in the Bank, remember, it's exciting because once you get that briefcase, you cash it in. It can happen at any time. So you can have a, a, a the wrestler, have, the champion has a match on the pay-per-view, and it can be cashed in right there. It can be set at a pay-per-view. It can happen on Monday Night Raw. It can happen on SmackDown which you know is going to be one male winner, one female winner. Uh, besides that, it's kind of slow. You typically have that happen in WrestleMania season. And, of course, there being a pandemic to which you don't get your full roster out there is always going to kind of hurt to begin with. The guys, the big feud that they're trying to get me pushed on uh, of Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre, I'm really not feeling it. Uh, it's going to be for the WWE Championship. I like me some Seth as the Messiah. I like me some Drew McIntyre coming around. My problem with it, most importantly, is just I felt that they wasted too much time really building a feud of Drew McIntyre versus Zelina's Vegas stable, including Andrade, that it kind of loses steam for Seth. It's falling into the background. Who knows what happens there? Other things to kind of consider what they're doing. What I am excited for is the Universal Championship between Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. They have history. Braun is now the Universal Champion. He beat Goldberg. Goldberg beat Bray Wyatt's Fiend character for the Universal Belt. 
they go back a couple years because they were part of the Wyatt family. Accordingly, this match is not going to be The Fiend versus Braun Strowman. It's going to be Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman. And I like that idea because when Braun wins, it puts some legitimacy in his title run. And also, I think it protects the Fiend character because the Fiend's not the one losing. It's just the alter ego. They did a little bit of that at TLC when it was Bray Wyatt versus The Miz to bring back Daniel Bryan. So I kind of like this little bit of psychology because wrestling's allowed to get a little bit kind of spooky and weird. A couple other things. The releases are still continuing. Uh the rumor out there is that Vince's, if you're going for an open release or you're asking for it, by all means, go ahead because they're going to try to cost budget. So go see it out there. I don't know if the talent wants to be released at this point because it's a dangerous game because you can't go and perform for other people, right? So you might as well get a paycheck as opposed to just freelancing and hoping that someone takes you. WWE doesn't have much. We'll know more come Monday and Friday when we have more Raw more SmackDown. They are celebrating Triple H's 25th anniversary wrestling for the wwe i expect he's going to have a match soon um usually you hype this up in a way to bring people in well, i don't know who he'll be feuding with but i think it's going to help put hopefully somebody over that's a younger talent but you don't usually go grandstanding somebody without making a new blood come in and look valuable over in aew they got their pay-per-view coming up uh all in two i believe or is it double or nothing one of the two forgive me cody rhodes i promise i'll remember it when a time comes <laughs> Uh, you know, it's just so much wrestling and the days are kind of meshing up to be all the same stuff. But right now what they're doing in lieu of that is being the TNT championship or as I like to call it, the television championship. Um, they won't call it that. I don't like the name of the TNT championship. They should just call it the dynamite championship. But what do I know? I'm just a dude who does things the way he wants to do things to begin with. Tomorrow, I think you got the semifinals of Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen. There should be a rematch from their um, pay-per-view that they had in June, uh, which, of course, I forgot the name of it because there were so many that they did in the interim. Like, it was either Fight for the Fall or another one. But I expect Lance Archer, who is going against Cody Rhodes' brother, Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. formerly known as Goldust, uh, for the bracket would continue on. He might interfere, costing Cody the belt. Or Darby doesn't win, and Cody goes on to the finals to go against either Lance Archer or um, his own brother, Dustin Rose, and they met earlier in a pay-per-view. So there's some intriguing storylines. I kind of need them to do something with John Moxley. I know they're taking their sweet time with it, but I need a good, valuable challenger. Francisco has been kind of the AEW guy, and it has not been doing well. <laughs> I mean, you know, actually, yeah, I've been watching the last couple weeks, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. And, and, you see, you're, you're, you're the AEW guy because on Wednesdays I'll do a little bit of AEW and a little bit of NXT. Um, NXT I'll talk about in a second. I don't even know if I should bring that out there yet about certain thing. I'll tell you guys off air about it, but I'll touch on something there with them. But back to AEW, um, the pay-per-view is double or nothing, I believe. But So they're doing something a little bit with the mid-card, but it's kind of weird. You're not getting – and this is part of the issue of – the CV pandemic that's out there, it's not everybody, including your champions, are going to want to show up to work, right? Because mm. they don't want to run the risk. So you're not having your women's champion, Nyla Rose, out there. Um, I haven't seen Adam Page or Kenny Omega wrestle together. They're the tag champions. A lot of storylines got put on hold. So the guys on both brands, guys and gals, on both shows for a or both companies, AEW and WWE, you know, for those who are show up weekly, good job be safe do what you gotta do kind of thing um thanks for entertaining me it's just sometimes i'm out of it because this is normally a slow month of wrestling anyway post wrestlemania back to nxt um 
I, I feel like they're doing good. They've been kind of beating the ratings for AEW, but I think that's because of AEW's lack of star power that they have when the big stars can't come out because of the uh, the CV pandemic that's going on. So I hope it doesn't give Vince any false promises of his success, but they mm. are having a championship match tomorrow, a uh, match tomorrow of Keith Lee, the North American champion versus Damian Priest. If they actually let that be a match as opposed to a, you know, stop go kind of match, meaning there's a schmoozy ending where there's no clear winner or ends by DQ. If you let it go a full match, like a pay-per-view with some limited commercials, I think that could be a highlight that a lot of wrestling fans can gear over. NXT doesn't get a lot of flack the way Raw and SmackDown does. So if you allow them to kind of perform and be artists and do what they have to do, it should be very entertaining. And that's what I got for you guys this week on the cage. All right. So that's, that's it guys. That's the end of our 62nd episode. We, we didn't have any goons, but whatever, whatever. Uh, oh, yeah, wait, wait a second. Andrew, real MVP, please. Real MVP, as always, is our first responders, essential workers, healthcare workers. Uh, I could go on for 10 minutes listing everybody that I'm thankful for who are our real MVPs. Uh restaurant workers uh construction workers they're they're still working uh everyone and everyone uh anyone and everyone who's out there keeping society going uh helping helping us uh we thank you you're more valuable than you could ever know uh and you don't get nearly as enough uh, respect and credit as you get um, so we thank you I'm good. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. That's it. Here we go. Charlie. All right. Have a good evening, everyone. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. Play, play some Rocket League with us. We're going to play some Rocket League. I don't know. Are we playing tonight, Andrew? Maybe. We'll see. All right. Fine. I'll let you know. Oh, I also got Jackbox Party Games. So nice. that's uh, that's a thing we all can play, despite the fact that we're all far away. Um, some pretty interesting games there. So we'll, we'll, we'll try and organize a game night. So adios. <laughs> <laughs>